0: Hey guys, we made it to season five of the Ask People podcast. I'm your host Xavier Rox, and in this season, we aim to empower and embrace creativity through diversity as we dive into the fascinating stories and experiences of a diverse range of individuals, highlighting their unique perspectives and creative endeavors, from artists and entrepreneurs to innovators and activists. We celebrate the power of diversity in driving creativity and fostering positive change. Join us as we engage in thought-provoking conversations like...
1: I made myself intentionally homeless in pursuit
2: of my purpose. We're aware that a lot of people want to present and they were and in my position and, and what's worse, they weren't a white male, which is a joke that that's even still a thing. I think my family
0: never ever say you can't do something. So full of support, full of support for whatever dream. If I said tomorrow I want to fly to the moon, they will probably say I wish you all the best, Mel. So, guys I just want to say thank you for supporting the us people podcast for the past five years and we look forward to sharing another new theme song with you let's go
2: hey my name is David Sachs I'm a journalist author and keynote speaker and you're listening to the us people podcast with Savvy Rocks
0: Hey guys and welcome to another episode of the Ask People Podcast. I'm your host Savia Rox, and today I'm humbled to have David Sachs here with me who is a journalist, author and keynote speaker. David, thank you so much for taking your time to come on the Ask People Podcast. How are you doing?
2: I'm great. Uh, thank you for having me Savia. This is awesome and I'm excited to be here
0: cool so my first question that I love to ask absolutely every single guest who comes on the show and I'm sure anybody listens to the podcast will definitely know this is always my first question just to get to know a little bit more about you so David could you tell me a little bit about your background of where you grew up but also how that influenced you to be the person who you are today
2: mm, yeah for sure um I grew up I don't know five kilometers north of here uh so I'm, I'm from toronto i grew up in toronto um i've lived around so i've lived in uh new york i lived in south america for a number of years when i was starting out as a journalist um and i've been back here you know ever since definitely the past 12 months to the day ever since haven't gone anywhere um uh and you know i think like it's interesting because toronto is a city kind of like london that's you know full of people who come from all sorts of places right it's a city that that's a destination for immigration from different parts of the country and all obviously different parts of the world and so i think that really informed my curiosity about the world which is kind of what's driven me to do the work that i've done i mean i i love to find out about new things and new people and travel and go places and get to speak with people who I'd never get to speak with, uh, even if they're in a corner of the city that I've never been to before, even if they're in my own backyard, or even if, you know, they're on the other side of the world like you. So I interviewed someone today who literally grew up like, I don't know, 10 minute walk from my house. Whoa. You know, we both come from the same small circle of like Jewish Torontonians in there. Early forty, like it's like she, her, her last name is Sachs with an E. I mean, it's this, it's oh, like, wow. it's like you know, she's like we have all sorts of friends in common and whatever, but like we'd never met, we'd never heard of each other, and then we had like an incredible interview today f- for this new book I'm writing, and so it was like sometimes you just discover, you get to discover these interesting things in people that are right on your nose, and sometimes you have to travel around the world to discover something, and um, it's who I am
0: my next question for you david is Mm. it's a more of a reflection question which i love to ask people so can you define who you are as a person and who do you see when you look in the mirror and what does your reflection say back to you as a person but also on the reverse of that question have you ever looked in a mirror and not recognized the person staring back at you
2: that's a really good question um It's funny, you know, I I see this with my own kids. I mean, when my kids are seven and four, like you put them in front of a mirror, especially a full length mirror. And they're just like, like, they start talking to themselves. They make up little plays. You know, they make up these little voices. They make these faces and sort of test who they are in the mirror. I I used to do that all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there gets this point where you become self-conscious about it. You're like, well, you know, you're just this is, this is stupid. This is childish. Um, why am I dancing in front of a mirror making these weird faces or characters or voices? And fr- I used to like close the door and make these voices, you know, I'd be like, hello, I'm Savia. You know, I, I mean, I would just not mocking you. I just like, I would, you know, I would put on all these accents and just dumb stuff that, that you do. And, and, um, I guess, you know, that's always who I've been is like, I've always been interested in those different voices and those different perspectives. And, um, you know, the mirror allows you to kind of transform like it's a reflection of who you are, which is, you know, what you're comfortable with in your own skin, but it's also, it allows you to sort of transform that. Um, interesting, like saying this now we're on a video chat as well as a podcast chat, but, uh, you know, this year, like I've never looked at myself talking more. I mean, as you, you know, you said in the intro, I'm a keynote speaker. I used to travel to a place and stand in front of a ballroom or a stage or whatever and talk to whatever size the audience was. And now, like I do one of these talks, and it's like this. It's just like talking to my reflection
1: yeah.
2: for you know 40 minutes, and it's the weirdest, most soul sucking thing. Um, so I guess I forced you to confront who. Who you are, uh, and I think, like most of us i'm a, I'm people who like I'm okay to glance at my reflection, but staring at it for too long is um deeply uncomfortable. Maybe I need to take psychedelics and do it one time, maybe that's it <laughs> Oh, man.
0: Oh, it's not that bad. I think I kind of got used to it, I think, after a while. Like, yeah. After a year being in the house and being in London, at least you have the sun. We don't have the sun. We have more rain than any sun. So. We have the sun today. Let's,
2: you know, let's not, it's not California here. It's still <laughs> Toronto. <Yeah.
0: laughs> so so how did your journey begin when it came to being a journalist, author, and mm-hmm. keynote speaker? Because all of them, I know they, I know they can all intertwine into each other. Mm-hmm. Because they're all um, very creative
2: yeah well, I think it's you know like many people have found their way into some sort of creative field, probably like you with photography and, mm. and podcasts, and I could assume music based on all the gear behind you, which you yeah. do not need for a simple podcast um uh I mean unless you're composing you know the jingle for it um like what is that thing in the yellow behind you with the big buttons on it?
0: which one down here okay yeah we' got okay, we'll talk about the studio okay. <laughs>
2: Oh okay, so, I thought
0: so it was down, like So down here, yeah. Um I have like an M audio box here which is connected underneath it. I've got two um towers on this side. So I've got a PC tower and I've got an Apple Mac tower which I have um I was a professional songwriter before I started any of this. Now. Okay. So it's going right, to start to make sense now. Got it. And on the other side, I have well, behind me you can see my keyboard, so Yeah. I played a piano. Um, and on the other side, I have.
2: This is me. I've been trying to learn last year, but uh, see, I can play "Lean On Me." I can play the chords to "Lean On Me." I which... started
0: on a little keyboard. It, it was tiny.
2: Yeah. You know, and I oh, broke no, my. Dad, full, yeah. I broke my and dad's keyboard.
0: Yeah, and then I built it up, and then um. Nice. Same with photography, like all oh, the camera gear is up here. Oh sometime. yeah. So I kind of just build it up as I go along yeah. and just yeah do the best that I can what I have. Yeah.
2: Well, that's it. I, um, you know, so i I was the kid that talked to himself in the mirror, and I always liked to, you know give talks at school if there was like a some assignment like I had no problem getting up in front of the class. Um, and, you know, when I was a kid, I was really into reading, and I would read not just, you know, kids' books, but my parents used to I would like read the newspaper my parents read. and my parents send me Newsweek magazines yeah. to summer camp <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> along with, you know, comic books. um And, uh and, and, you know, that, that followed me all the way through, you know, high school and university, I was in plays and all this sort of stuff. And, and in university, I realized like I really was into, and you know, I studied history, but I was really into the news. I would watch the news, you know, so I would read things and I enjoyed writing essays. So it kind of, I was like, Oh, I'd like to be a journalist. And I, I kind of did it right from graduating. Um, but, uh, I started off freelancing cause nobody would give me a job. And, um, and so I was just kind of like thrown in right away. So it was like, all right, well, all I have to do is write an article and, or sell an article and then write it and someone will pay me. Okay. I can do that. I can do another, I, you know, it's, that's just snowballed. And it's kind of the ver- same version of what I do. Okay. to You know, I, I'd like to write a book. Well, all I have to do is write a proposal. And if I like a publisher wants it, they, they give me money to write it. Okay, great. And like, I've done that now, you know, four times now working on the fifth. So, um, and the speaking was, you know, the first book came out and I went out on book tour and I was like, Hey, I really enjoyed like talking at these events about the books. And someone's like, well, you know, you can get paid for that. It's like, Oh, go on. And then, you know, that's what I do now or did until last year. Um, So, uh, so, you know, all these things just kind of evolved out of the same basic, desire to like learn about the world and then you know regurgitate back what i learned about it fair enough in some format or another
0: it sounds like a diary in a way
2: sort of though i never kept one um that might be a good uh, idea actually yeah i'm I don't know. I'm at the point where I'm like, oh, I'm not going to write something unless someone pays me, which is probably a a terrible idea, but in some ways a smart one. Everyone,
0: everyone is different. (laughs) Everyone is completely different. Okay. Yeah. So I want you to break down a day in your life. So pretend I am following you with my camera gear and my camera crew. Right.
2: What a a waste of film.
0: Stop (laughs) it. (laughs) I want to know what you do when you wake up in the morning to when you have a creative idea. For writing mm-hmm. it could be speaking or writing or, or just being a journalist take me through yeah. the process of what you do creatively to okay. when you have a finished product this is just so anybody who wants to get in your field of work can understand exactly yeah. what you go through
2: yeah I mean you know all the ideas that I have are sort of like distillations of the same thing but just on a different scale so an article is you know, a singular small idea, a nugget of curiosity, how does that work? Or, you know, why isn't someone like talking about this, or this is something that's really like sticking in my teeth, you know, intellectually speaking, like, I want to write about it. And I'll, you know, compose an email to an editor I know, and be like, you know, I, I, you know, recently I had a story about the hell that is virtual kindergarten uh, during the pandemic in January, and so I know an art, you know, a wonderful editor at the New York Times who I've written for before, and I wrote her, and I was like, you know, Janae, like I'm sitting here in the living room with my son, he's bouncing around, like this is this is not what education is supposed to be like, like this is hell. I want to write a piece that's like. You know, it's like, this is the things that I've learned. Like, I've learned what a rhombus is. I've learned, you know, uh, that all living things need sunlight. Like, I've learned all these things, but I also have learned, like, how education actually works. She's like, okay, try it out. Like, it's just like a, almost like a knee-jerk reaction of, like, I have a curiosity about something, and I, I want to express it. Where can I express it? And so those are, you know, I mean, at one point when I was younger and starting out, that was like a process that would take me days. And I would write up these paragraphs and send them off to an editor. You know, hello, I'm so I'm David Sachs and I'm a young journalist, blah, blah, blah. And now it's like I have these relationships. It's sort of, it's almost like I have to do less work for it because I built that up and I've done it more. But again, it's like, this is the idea that I want to communicate. Are you interested in it? or this is the thing I want to explore. Are you interested in it? Yes. No. Okay. Go and go and do the thing, go and do the writing or go into the research. Um, the book is that at a grander, a greater scale, right? Simply due to the amount of words in it, to the amount of like the, the, the size of the idea. And so it's like, I have all these ideas but they all kind of link up in this one way. And i it's going to take me months of going back and forth of conversations with my editor and my agent, writing things and playing with them and maybe different articles that I'm writing to test stuff out to actually see what that idea is. So that by the time I actually try to sell it to that editor and that, was a, that agent, you know, um, Uh, it's become more clear to me, but it's like, you know, a muddier, murkier sort of searching process. Um, And then actually going and, you know, taking that process and like expanding it into the actual thing that you're trying to, you know, do, which is you're essentially trying to answer a question, right? Or or a series of questions. Um, So, you know, for the last book that I wrote, the one that you um, got in touch with me about, The Soul of an Entrepreneur, You know, it was a couple of years ago. It was like, something's going on with entrepreneurship, but like nobody wants a book about something's going, that's not a book. It's just like a question. And so the fundamental question was like, you know, what is the true meaning of being an entrepreneur and how do we get away from that? And that's like, okay, I can answer that. And here's how I'm going to ask the questions. Here's how I'm going to structure it. Like that's a, just a long sort of process of which the actual typing of the words is, is, you know, the last part of it and probably the easiest part
0: see i like i like the way you broke that actually down for people to understand that so i would love to know what was it like writing your book what was it like getting into that zone and saying i'm gonna write this book so that people can understand more about the soul of entrepreneurship especially but um, why why that title why specifically that title too
2: Yeah, yeah. I think it was my publisher who came up with the title, um, who usually comes up with good titles. Uh, You know, so much has been discussed over the past decades, uh, you know, 10, you know, 15, 20 years about uh, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship. It's become a thing. It's become its own sort of world. And there are endless podcasts about being an entrepreneur and books about entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship. And there's, you know, every university and college has their school of entrepreneurship, their Institute of entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial zones. And it's like the word itself has, has, has gained this cachet, this cultural weight to it. Um, but that conversation was really about one type of entrepreneur, which is the, you know, who do, who, when I say that, who do you think of?
0: Entrepreneur?
2: Yeah. When I say that word, like what is it, what comes into mind, especially like the cachet of it, you know, hashtag entrepreneur.
0: When you think of entrepreneur, well, when I think of entrepreneur, the first thing that comes into my mind is success. But everybody right. has a different, defini- different yeah. definition of success. So,
2: But who, who do you think of?
0: Oh, that's easy. Okay. I think of people like uh, Richard Branson. Oprah, right. Oprah Winfrey, um, it, the list goes on. <laughs> yeah, Elon Musk, Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. right? Bill so Gates. you know,
2: we 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 took this grand thing of of entrepreneurship, which I saw reflected in my own family. My grandparents were all entrepreneurs. My dad works for himself. My mother had her own business. My wife works for herself. My brother you know has his own business and many people i know do and we 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 dialed it down to one thing which is like the super wealthy super successful tech or business you know billionaire maybe a multimillionaire if we're really slumming it um which to me didn't reflect the reality of the entrepreneurs that i was always interested in. i was always writing about in my other books you know i wrote a book about the first book i wrote was about jewish delicatessens and so i was talking to like Greek and Jewish entrepreneurs in London who, you know, owned salt beef restaurants, right? These were not millionaires, they were not billionaires, they weren't famous, but they they had businesses, they owned those businesses, they put their heart and soul into it. And so I saw this great disconnect between what we were the way we were glamorizing and romanticizing entrepreneurship and the reality of it for the vast majority of entrepreneurs. Um, and I wanted to know where that disconnect came from and what the actual harm was in just thinking about, you know, Sir Richard, um, or, you know, Lord Musk or evil demon Zuckerberg. Wow. You went there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, he's kind of shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah,
0: I've, I've heard worse. I'm not going to deny it. I have heard
2: worse. I mean, <laughs> he really, he really sucks as a human. Uh, um, <laughs> this podcast brought to you by facebook <laughs> no more oh dear. that'd be kind of cool
0: so yeah tell me about a time when you overcame an obstacle but because of the passion that you have mm. within your craft especially with writing i can mm. see you're really passionate about writing how did that relate to your books, So is there an obstacle that you've been through where your books of writing has helped you come out of the situation?
2: Um, Yeah. I mean, I think each book is an obstacle that you create, True. right? Uh, and you, you, you're essentially building an obstacle in your own life. Like this is a, you know, it's, I, I feel incredibly fortunate and privileged to be able to do this and make a living from it, but it is a, pretty dumbass way to make a living. Um, and, and so, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to spend two to five years wrestling with this idea in my head, um, for the slim chance that someone's going to be interested in it and pay, you know, you know, 12 quid to, to buy, um, this book. Uh, and read it and the odds are that they're not you know i I mean and so throughout that entire process it is a series of obstacles and struggles the greatest of which is your own you know sense of self-doubt and self-worth um for this book i really really had to struggle with that and that was actually an issue that i tackled in the book and the way entrepreneurs have to face that um uh that that's quite different than the way that people who have a job do um Uh, And so, you know, like, I think it's, again, that same curiosity is what keeps driving it. So for my third book, uh, um, The Revenge of Analog, which came out in 2016, you know, I had had the idea for that book um, years before when I was writing my first book. So it was like 2007. I was like, you know, there's something happening with you know, record players, like I could see people buying them. And I don't know, there's something going on with everybody's getting these smartphones, but like there's something going on with analog stuff. And I, I wrote, you know, three book proposals. I tried to sell it to my publisher. They're like, we don't want this. You know, I, I ended up getting a new publisher because they weren't even interested in it. And it just went nowhere. And that was like, okay, then I guess I got to write something else you know, this idea is dumb, but it kept coming. I kept coming back to it. I kept seeing it. I couldn't let it go. And, um, and I think that, that, you know, the obstacle kept presenting itself. It was like, okay, this obstacle is there, but I got to get around it to find a way to actually make that happened and then of course there were obstacles when you know when i was actually able to do that book it's like okay there's all sorts of obstacles at every single point in the process the the point where it's like the book came out on the day of trump's election which was like a terrible terrible time to release a book except my last book which came out in the middle of a pandemic so like you know you're just like well all right what what now like this is what i do so i gotta find a way around it um i gotta keep going or, or figure something out so um yeah. I think it's, but you know, ultimately it's like, it's, it's like, but I, the thing that I, the reason that I do this and the thing that I love about this is actually the act of doing it. It's not the reward that's there. Um, I don't do it for free, but you know, it's not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not setting up the objective of success as selling X number of books. Yeah. It's just like, I get to do this thing. Do I get paid for it? Yes. Do I get paid enough that it like I can make a living and it pays for, you know, my kids lunches or you know, whatever, the life that I have, great. And everything else is just kind of like crazy to that.
0: See? I understand that. It's it's any creative field is hard. It's never gonna be <laughs> easy. But you have to believe in it, I think, more than anybody else does. Because if you don't believe in it, like you like you're saying, how is anybody gonna pick up your book? I'm gonna wanna buy it.
2: Yeah, and you also have to enjoy you have to enjoy the thing that you're doing. Exactly. Cuz like if that itself is not the reward, then what is? Exactly. Right? Um, you know, and if you want to go into a field where the reward is a purely financial one, then there are many better things to do than writing books, giving talks, making podcasts, you know, composing songs.
0: That's definitely true. So I'm going to talk a little bit about something that's possibly in many of your books. So mm. I'm going to say a few words, but I want you to give me your opinion on the one that sticks out for you. So power, culture, judgment, class, privilege, prejudice. Talk to me about which, how they make you feel. The ones that you remember that I've just mm. said, how do they make you feel?
2: I mean, I think culture is the one that that's always stuck to me as the main unifier throughout the things that I do. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, someone was like, well, what, do, what type of writer, are you? what do you write about? And I, you know, at that time, I said, well, I write about the culture of business. So it's like, I, I write books that focus, that have tended in the past to focus on Business, whether it was the food business, you know, the Jewish deli business, the business of food trends, um, the business of analog and record stores and film cameras and this sort of stuff, uh, moleskin journals, the the business of entrepreneurship. But like, it's not about business, it's not about numbers. It's about it's about the culture and the people behind that. And of course, that culture then, you know, out of that unfolds all these questions of prejudice and privilege. A lot of which have become. Much more, I've become much more aware of over the past couple of years. You know, gratefully so. I mean, I probably, you know, I, I I touched on it in other things, but I definitely, I think the like awakening social consciousness over the past couple of years of people like me of what people such as you, you know, a black woman uh, experiences is, is, you know, like this tremendous learning opportunity, the unquestionably, the the most interesting and, you know, um, engaging experience I had in this past book was um, really when I went down to, you know, New Orleans and spent, you um, A couple days uh interviewing african-american women in the hair and beauty business about what entrepreneurship meant to them and uh you know the 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 woman who was the center of it this main um, character of the the chapter uh jessica depart who's who's known as the real bb judy with like her two million instagram followers and is huge now she was you know she was getting there at the time she had like i don't know a couple hundred thousand or hundred thousand or something but you know to like their vision of entrepreneurship and what it meant to them was so entirely different from the the sort of Mark Zuckerberg fairy tale that, and that we've been taught and is so much more representative of what the vast majority of entrepreneurs want. The fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in many parts of the world, in the U S and Canada and in the UK are women of color, right? Black women, Asian women, um, Native American women here in North America. Uh, and and so, you know, so privilege has two sides, right? One is like not seeing my own privilege um, and, and, and how that skewed, you know, my view of the world and sort of learning uh, it and, and how, you know, the stories we tell are, are colored by who, whose privileged to have that story told, And then I think the privilege that I experienced of being able to, not only tell that story but you know meet with these women and and talk to them and go into their salons and and speak to them and just even like learn what actually goes into when like a black woman gets a weave i mean it's like (laughs) it's fucking surgery you know i was like like i got a haircut and it's just like wow that was you know that was a tough 20 minutes it was just like hold on hold on you're gonna sit in a chair for four hours, and someone's gonna like glue a stocking to your head, and then sew on like yeah, layers different. of hair, uh, and uh, then you're gonna do this again two days later. Well, How much does this cost? Five
0: hundred dollars. It's a lot of money. I like, mind you, I have massive hair. I, everyone can't see me right now, but have I have yeah. I have massive hair, but it's mine. So I've yeah. never had to go through that uh, process yeah. of. Going into a salon and getting my hair done. But I've seen my friends do it. And the amount of money that they have spent, I'm not even going to joke with you, David. The amount of money that they have spent, they can most probably put a deposit down on a house. I'm not joking.
2: No, I think the statistic I read was the average black woman spends three times on her hair what the average white woman spends. Um, this is in America, I think. But you know, of course, like you know, Kelsey is just getting like snip, snip, snip with the blonde bangs. Um, it's you know, it's quite a different thing. Uh, so again, like privilege, I you know, I think about privilege. You know, I think about it in a politicized way that we talk about, and the way that you know, this growing social awareness of inequality, which we've seen obviously over the course of this year and the pandemic tremendously. But I think about, I, I reflect in the privilege I have, like the privilege I have had, the greatest privilege that I see in, in what I get to do is not sitting at, at home and typing on a computer. You know, that's like the necessary part. It's for the part I love is actually going, meeting people, um, uh, interviewing them and getting to ask them all those things about their lives. And the people I've had the chance to meet, And spend time with over, you know, the past 20-ish years of this career is just incredible. Like, I would never in my life get to, you know, drive around New Orleans with the sort of hair queen and, you know, stand in the kitchen of a delicatessen with an 80-year-old Holocaust survivor as, you know, he showed me the number on his arm and then showed me like the menu item that he named 8665 as a little inside joke to him. Like, it's, you know, there's... There's, it's just, yeah. So privilege.
0: I love it. I love the way yeah. you brought that. That's, that's super. It's cool. a great question. It, it definitely is. I love the way that because it's, it's so unique to hear what stands out for people. Because I said, yeah. I said about six, seven things, and I think the ones that appealed to you was maybe two or three, mm. two or three, and one of them was definitely culture, and then the other one was privilege as well. So, yeah. so it was amazing to see what you took out from that question. So. Thank you. My next one for you is, what is the best advice you have ever received throughout your career? And I know that in our lives, we meet different people who tell us different things at different times in our lives. Mm
2: -hmm. But
0: has there ever been a specific time where somebody has told you something and you carry it throughout your life?
2: The best advice I ever received was when I was starting out early on and uh, an older, more experienced journalist said, you know, don't worry that you're only 22 years old. Like you can tell the story from a 22 year old's perspective and that's valuable. Um, so, you know, if you're able to do things from your own perspective and be honest about what that is, then that's valuable. You don't have to pretend to be someone else. Um, your own, your own experience, your own background, whatever it is has value.
0: See, I totally agree with that. If you had a chance to change one thing right now in the world that you value, which is very, (laughs)
2: which I like the way you said. (laughs) Non-pandemic related. Let's just start with that.
0: Okay, right. So if it doesn't have to be non-pandemic. I'm giving you the option of anything. Okay. So if you had a chance to have the power and the ability to be able to change one thing in the world right now, what would it be and why would it be that thing
2: oh god i mean the world right now yeah um proof. that's a that's a huge one uh i think Honestly, like, I think, you know, some, I was interviewing someone the other day, I'm reading a new book about what we've learned about our relationship to digital technology and during this, during the pandemic and how we want to maybe change that going forward in the future, what the future looks like. And he's a a well-known researcher and scientist. And um, he said, you know, you know, like if we shut down Facebook tomorrow, I mean, it would be annoying and inconvenient, but like we'd probably be better off for it. And I feel like if I could change one thing in the world, it's like I kind of wish this thing had never invented.
0: You know what? I, I'm I'm actually with you. Yeah, I kind of help you. Yeah, <laughs> I know that sounds bad. Some people might go crazy and be like, "No, but um...
2: love Facebook." It's like you're, you you keep it. It's necessary in some ways for communication. But like, I, I actually limit it by software to like ten minutes a day. I I go on just to check if I missed anyone's birthday, if anyone I know had a baby or like, there's like a surfing group that I'm part of. So we're going to like check the waves and like, but it's just like, it's like, uh, okay, I got to stay away from here. Like it's, you know, it's like you, it's like a dodgy area street that you have to walk down like really quickly. Um, And, uh, yeah, I just, after this year and after, you know, the American election and the, everything that's gone on, it's just like, maybe some of this would be better without this thing.
0: I haven't been on it for about two years and I'm going to stay off it still. So
2: yeah, no, you're not missing anything.
0: Trust me. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Trust me. I've learned that. Trust me. I know. I believe we are not defined by our job roles or our titles, but by the kindness within our hearts what do you feel defines you as an individual and what makes you stand out as an individual
2: oh uh, great question i mean i think i'm i'm a social person um which doesn't mean i like to go to bars or parties as much well, clearly i'd kill for one right now but um but you know i just love like talking to people and uh, maybe that just makes me a chatterbox or a loudmouth. Um, but I, I certainly this year, like, it's just become so apparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I love to, to build relationships with people, like, real relationships and ideally face-to-face ones and connect other people. Like, I I, I just, like, I love that. And I hope that's, like, what, you know, I'm known for. Um,
0: yeah. See. I definitely, I miss, I miss going out and talking to people and it's hard right now. And I'm sure everybody else believes it's hard right now too, but I'm hoping that, um, the end of April or maybe May, carrying on a June down here, things will change to get back to normal. <laughs>
2: oh yeah. Yeah. So. And I mean, I think like today was, I said, you know, before we spoke, I said today was the first really warm, sunny day, yeah. and you know, at the beginning of the end of winter, like we're still legally in winter, but um, you know, it was 17 degrees here and it's like, you know, I was just out in the park. There was like a bunch of jazz students who like set up their instruments and they were playing and people were walking and, you know, some were wearing masks and everyone's keeping their distance, but like people are talking and everyone's walking their dogs and they're asking about the puppies and it's just like this is what we need you know this is who we are as a species this is what we need um, and even those little interactions over the past years like this is the lifeblood of everything I built my career around this I mean I and you too right you talk to people right we're having this conversation but um, uh, you know that's that to me is like the lifeblood
0: I think for me it was a little bit crazy because I started the podcast in January 2020 not knowing that there was about to be a pandemic. So my whole idea was to go out to people, travel Mm -hmm. to people, even fly abroad to people to do what I love. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially within photography, that's my living. And um, flying everywhere is something amazing. But the pandemic hit and poof, everything became digital for me. So definitely, do you believe in spirituality?
2: Uh it's a really c- good question that I ask myself every time I'm sitting in synagogue every year ah. um, and uh, should be feeling something, but just kind of keep asking myself that question. Um, I don't know. I believe in spirituality. I just don't necessarily know if I am spiritual. Um, but I think what I'm realizing is that asking that and like I mean, if i sit there every time and just ask that that's kind of that's the point of it to me like yeah i'd love to be able to like close my eyes and you know sit in a lotus position and, and see enlightenment and i i took some weird yoga a couple of years ago and i really tried i was i was getting like okay at it um whatever that was whether it's spirituality or tapping into my inner whatever but like I think it's it is a question that I wrestle with. It's one that I'm going to actually tackle in this this new book that I'm writing um, as it relates to our lives over the past year. But, um, yeah, it's one that I an interesting one that I struggle with to answer. And I think that struggling to answer is like the point of it,
0: That's isn't true. it? It is the point of it. Do you, have you never ever woke up or been in a place where you felt something come over you that doesn't normally happen? Because spirituality happens in many different ways.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, I've had those moments um, in all sorts of ways uh, throughout life, whether it's in natural settings or whether it's in this, you know, something that's even related to work that I'm doing or. Um, just moments of you know feeling something personally um but do i attribute it to like a higher being probably yeah, not, not yet. unless i'm really in trouble and like out in the lake and the wind's blowing it's like shit how am i gonna get back in I oh there's something... god
0: <laughs> i think something will happen to you in a good way but i think oh, no. it may just take some time i think it may just take some time What are you most proud of that you stand for?
2: (sighs) Um, I mean, I think, like, I would hope, like, just decency, which is a short, short supply these days. Um, I don't know, just, like, seeing other human beings as other human beings and treating them kindly. I mean, that's – honestly, if that's all I'm ever known for (laughs) – or stand for it and that's i'll die happy
0: that's good enough for me if i had to ask you
2: brought uh, to you by the royal family
0: exactly there you go so <laughs> if this question only 10% of people Sorry. only 10% of people have been able to answer this question okay on my podcast so if i said to you david you're allowed to choose one question are you allowed to choose one song that is the soundtrack of your life what song mm. would you choose and why would you choose that particular song Ooh,
2: so good. So good. Um, very hard to pick that one song. You know, I, I think I can reflect because like this past year during these moments of tremendous fear and uncertainty of which I have never experienced in my, you know, 40 years on this planet or 41 years, aside for a few brief moments of that, It was like, I would turn on Bill Withers, um, who I've always loved his music. always loved Bill Withers. Uh, Anyone who doesn't, really questioning their judgment and sanity about the world and their human decency. Um, uh, And, uh, you know, there's a few deep tracks from some of his albums that I can get into and find. But, like, I mean, if you put on Lovely Day, and don't get some sort of reaction from that. <laughs> That's true, you know. You know, and, and, I, and I have so many associations with it. Like it's, you know, from dancing and weddings and like the thing. But like <laughs> years ago, I was living in Australia and I was actually teaching skiing. This is ah. the pinnacle of white privilege. And I love what I you mean, say that. come on, obviously, um, uh, and I was living in a tiny, like, basement apartment. And it was literally like a, a windowless basement of a condominium That uh, with three other instructors, one guy from Japan, uh, someone from Leeds, and, and another guy from, um, like, Glasgow. and uh, And we lived in this little, like, apartment that had, like, leaky walls. And we would have to clean the condominiums every week. And that was how we got our rent for free. So it was amazing. It was just like, it was 20 years old. It was, you know, the best four months of my life. And every morning when we would, you know, get dressed and like put on our ski gear and head out the door into the Australian winter, which is this, who the hell goes to Australia just to go to winter? Um, Jamie, the D, the former DJ from Leeds, would, would, you know, play on his mini disc player, Lovely Day, wow. as we'd like, door. And it's just like that, you know, that's it. That's I was it. just, I was it's a just, perfect gonna, song.
0: I grabbed my phone actually and I went on, and it's my second favorite song. I was going to show it to you, but you said it, oh. so that was good enough. What's your fave? Uh, that's a hard one because at the moment it's a gospel song and it's called okay. Grace, but it, it, I think it's just, it depends on how I feel, and especially mm. being a songwriter as well. I think you resonate yeah. to whatever's going on in your life.
2: Well, and I think like getting to spirituality, like, you know, so many of the musicians that I revere and love the most, you know, Bill Withers or Aretha Franklin, um, you know, came out of that gospel tradition, right? Yeah. And so, it, you know, all that music is infused in that tradition yeah. of, of hope and spirituality. And that comes out of dark places, right? That comes out of the, the cotton fields field of the confederate south um and uh it's interesting like i i uh i would get into music deeply but i'll stop there
0: we can talk about all day but i know you have another interview after this so i
2: have to i have to to flip the microphone around and and interview someone else
0: (laughs) so let me go to are we do you believe Mm -hmm. are we the source of our own problems or do we create problems in our own minds to give us something to focus on?
2: Uh, mm. I mean, I think both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're really good at creating problems. We're really good at creating big problems. Um, When we think we're creating solutions, we're really good at creating unnecessary problems when we don't have any or need any. That's true. So, yeah. I mean, right now I'm writing about, you know, again, what we've learned about, this past year, what it's taught us about technology in our own lives and the place of digital technology and the place of analog things. And so many things we created as a solution to something have created a problem. And it's harder to acknowledge that that solution has become a problem often than it is to create, you know, a new solution.
0: Hmm. I'm trying to think. Yeah. No, oh, I understand it.
2: Facebook being a great example. I know you or, really, you
0: really don't like
2: Facebook, do you? or whatever. Okay, well, I won't say <laughs> Facebook. No, I mean, um, you know, uh, uh, Uber, right? Oh. You're like, oh well, there's, you know, wouldn't it be great? Like, if there's a more efficient way to get taxis, in this way, we can have less traffic, and um, you know, people won't need to have cars. There'll be less pollution and whatever, and then that solution actually creates new problems, which is like more traffic, you know, inequality, drivers making crazy U-turns in the middle of every goddamn intersection, driving the wrong way on one-way streets, Um, uh, you know, more cars idling, uh, more accidents, like this problem has that we create a solution for has become in itself a problem.
0: Yep, it's definitely true. If there was one question Hmm. that people rarely ask you, that they should ask you and you would like them to ask you, what would that question be?
2: Mm. That one, I guess, <laughs> I don't know. Um, that's a really good, good one, one that I would have to think about, but I don't really know. I mean, I think, I guess the one question that most people don't ask is, and like most people don't ask other people, especially when it relates to their career, is like, why do you do this? Why do you like, why, why did you, why are you doing, you know, like you had a career in music, you have a career in in photography, you know, I don't know if this podcast is sponsored or makes money, but like you're clearly putting a lot of effort into it. Why, why are you doing this? Why do you continue to do it? Not just why you started doing it. Why do you continue to do it?
0: It's a passion. Passion. It's a passion to help people because I'm not, it's not, I am just a host the guests are the star because the way I mm. see it, the guests are the one giving the information. Mm. I am the one a- asking the questions.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: So mm. that's, that's kind cool. of how I see it. And that's the reason why I done it. I've only got yeah. two more for you because I know you're on a tight schedule too. Um, When was the last time you remember totally feeling at peace?
2: Um... I I mean, I'm just trying to think. You know, I was just out of lunch. I had done two really good interviews in the morning for this book, which is always, you know, a tough thing to do. Some some of them work out great, and some of them you're like, okay, that conversation was, you know, a bit of a waste of an hour, but it's okay. Done two really good ones. I texted my next-door neighbor. I was like, hey, do you want to – should we go for a walk and get lunch? Got a great – sandwich at this new place that opened up you know went to a park it was sunny out sitting in the sun talking eating a good sandwich and then went to another park and there's this jazz band that was playing all fall and summer kind of at the end of the street in this park just these students and they were like really good and then you know they went away for the winter because it's very cold here it's not like london um and all of a sudden they were out and i and i said the other day i'm like it'll really be spring when those like jazz geeks get out and I was just sat there for, I don't know, 45 minutes listening to them, you know, put like $10 in their, in their case. And it's just like, this is it. Like I'm good. I'm good today. Okay. So yeah, that was an hour ago.
0: Oh, wow, <laughs> <laughs> That's super
2: cool. Namaste. <laughs> That's yeah.
0: super cool. So yeah. what would you like your legacy to be? When you feel and only when you feel, David, that you have done enough, what would you like your legacy to be?
2: I mean, the thing I say, uh, which I never get, I I still like, it's like, all right, I've lived, statistically speaking, close to half my life. Um, So the thing that I really wanted to find the second half is like that he gave back, Um, which I do here and there in little ways. but. Have I have I found the way that's done it that's satisfied me? Mm. um You know, I'm not Richard Branson. I don't have a foundation. I don't have you know. I give a little bit of money here and there. I volunteer for this thing or that thing. But like, what is the thing that's going to allow me to feel as though I've given back as much as I can? Mm. um I feel like increasingly as I get older, that's that's a, a, a desire that that I want to fulfill. So I hopefully will do it and then probably write a book about it. So at least I can make some money to give away or something.
0: You'll be fine. (laughs) You'll be absolutely fine. David, my last one for you before we go, which is, can you tell us where we can find you on all your social media platforms, not Facebook, Mm. but all your, (laughs) all your social media platforms. And if anybody would like to get in contact with you the same way I've been privileged to, please tell us where you can find you
2: sure yeah i mean i'm most often at twitter mm-hmm. uh at sax david s-a-x-d-a-v-i-d um and you know that's it cool. that's, that's where i am so that's, sounds good to me i'm out there i'm on the internet even on facebook though not begrudgingly very begrudgingly
0: <laughs> david thank you so much for being so thank patient you, no. this was
2: wonderful
0: oh no, you're welcome you're so welcome thank you so much for taking your time to come on the podcast, I really appreciate you. it. Now you're welcome. Yeah, my pleasure. Guys, yeah. thank you so much for listening to the Us People podcast. And please remember, you can subscribe to Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and any other platform that you prefer listening to. Please also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can also donate to the Ask People podcast by simply going to the Savvy Rocks website or just typing in PayPal.me forward slash Ask People Podcast. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Stay happy, stay positive and as always, please continue to be kind to one another.
2: The best advice i ever received was when i was starting out early on and uh, an older more experienced journalist said you know don't worry that you're only 22 years old like you can tell the story from a 22 year old's perspective and that's valuable
1: all hearts are of courage. You can win if you try. Redirect me, yes, to you. you see the power, and yes, if you try. Fear are far behind. Our oh, hearts so are full of courage. You can win if you try.